is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty. And luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Here we, here we, here we go. It is England into the last 16, beating Wales 3-0. And that is where our bipartisanship will slightly end here. Yes, England are into the last 16 after a 3-0 win over Wales. USA joined England into the knockout phase after a Slender win over Iran. And also we had the likes of the Netherlands and we also had Ecuador into the knockout phase as well. Let's get stuck straight into day 10, shall we? Why not? Yeah, we're here, 5am, every day, Sports Social Podcast Network, YouTube as well, with the World Cup, daily podcast via What If Football, of course. That's not all we've got. We've got World Cup great games over there on Patreon. We've got Football Manager Challenges. We've got Combined 11s Predictors on YouTube as well. We've got, of course, Alternate Football Universes also on YouTube. But first, let's crack open one of these for England. Hope that played well. Because England are into the last 16. Mind me trying to put down my corona. Let's chuck open the bottle opener and let's get straight into England 3, Wales nil. Where... England, well, simply were wholly dominant, which should come as no surprise given the two teams, but there we are. In terms of the team news, obviously, little uh, asterisks by this. Of course, the second half, I'll be a little bit more sober for that one. So 
if you're of a Welsh disposition or you just want to hear some more analyses, then go over to the second half of the today. Um, there'll be a time code somewhere if you're on YouTube, I'm sure. Anyway, so England, they brought in a raft of changes, the likes of Phil Foden and Marcus Rashford flanked Harry Kane as opposed to Bukayo Saka and Raheem Sterling. Meanwhile, Jordan Henderson brought a little bit of solidity into the midfield as opposed to Mason Mount whilst Jude Bellingham was given the, the Mount role, so to speak. Meanwhile, of course, Kyle Walker was handed some minutes on his return to action ahead of, uh, ahead of Kieran Trippier, of course. So let's start with Wales. It's only fair that we should uh, we should start with Wales. And the simple fact was that for the most part, um, the Dragons, as they um, apparently are known, um, Wales, they just could not get out. They could not get out for the entirety of the first half. Yes, Joe Allen flashed a, I guess, a half, well, not even a half chance, a curler. Um, past the post, over the bar, miles over the bar. Uh, but af- apart from that, England were in serene comfort for the first half. That was the only real chance that uh, that Wales got in that first half. England's high defensive line was partly to do with that. There was not really too much upward mobility in terms of the Welsh squad. Gareth Bale, of course, retained his place. The only changes really to the Welsh team was Joe Allen was in at centre half, uh, centre centre midfield rather, and Dan James was uh, out on the wing as they changed to a back four, almost to match England. Pound for pound, it did not work, so to speak. Really, Jordan Henderson did a lot of uh, shuttling around, moving around, and uh, really the the midfield three. Of England was, well, it was solid, wasn't it? Jude Bellingham would drift out to the flanks and Phil Foden on the right would drift in as is his want as he's a left winger and uh, Maguire stepped out to uh, nullify any threat, any whiff of an attack. Uh, he did have one shot, <laughs> which was uh, kind of ridiculous. Went out for a throw, which uh, is so Maguire, isn't it? But uh, there we are. Um, Wales did come out to have a little bit of a goal later on. They switched Baron Johnson up uh, for Gareth Bale midway through, well, at half time. So maybe that we are seeing the end of Gareth Bale here in an international setting, it would be it would be sad to see that that would be the case. Um, I would like to see him all the way up to Euro twenty twenty four, if possible, with this Welsh team. But uh, but there we are. But Wales didn't truly give it too much of of a big gurky for more. Had a shot that was deflected, which John Pickford uh, was quite easily um, equal to. There was a chance that whistled past the post, and Pickford gladly pulled his ha- arms out to, uh, to to let the ball pass the post because uh, he'd read it quite well. Um, th- to be fair, the, the decision to bring off Gareth Bale, quite a brave one from Rob Page, really, but it was one to give Wales a bit more verticality. Uh, with the score still nil-nil, Wales had to win, um, albeit uh, the score from the other game was USA 1, Iran nil. Don't worry, we'll get onto that <laughs> in a little while. Um, but it, it didn't work. It, obviously, an admirable approach. It, you, you've got to try absolutely everything at a World Cup, and Wales did give it everything. Unfortunately, it just was not enough. They did have to... Well, ultimately, did have to get three points against Iran, and uh, they could have done with getting three points against, against USA, given the fact that uh, USA ended up with five points from this group stage. Of course, we'll talk about the, uh, the USA-Iran game 
certainly uh, to come later on in the show. But uh, let's go on to England. And Jude Bellingham, as we mentioned, he retained his place. There was uh, a lot of whispers, a lot of rumour that that uh, John Henderson would come in. Who for? Who knew? Um, it apparently was Mason Mount, um, which gave Jude Bellingham a three-year role. Yes, it was probably a, a flatter midfield three than what, uh, what England are used to, probably more so a 4-2-3-1 that they've deployed in previous games. But... Uh, but Jude Bellingham was it was free here. He was able to drift out to the right, mainly what he did do. And uh, him and Phil Ford and the, the wonder kids, the wonder boys, the, uh, the to be fair, the uh, the shining lights going forward for English football, if we're being honest with ourselves, uh, they linked up incredibly well. It was, uh, it was football in Nirvana from an English perspective, or at least as... Uh, as Nirvana-ish as uh, football can get if you're uh, donning the old white of England. Um, of course, Bellingham being given this freer role allowed him to uh, go to the right. Phil Foden on the right with his left-footedness allowed him to drift inside where he was at his absolute dynamic best. Uh, to be fair, there was a lot of clamour for Phil Foden going forward. I was quite surprised to see Gareth Southgate bow to it instantly because he's one of the type to uh, be fairly stubborn with his uh, with his um, addressing of so-called clamour. We've had it with Jack Grealish beforehand. We've had it in numerous names. And to be fair, the English public will not will not let Southgate sleep, will not let him lie unless England performed to the standards of Brazil 1970. It, it feels like it sometimes, but uh, this was as perfect, just as Brazil 1970 was, this was as perfect as an England group stage match. An England World Cup match could possibly be. They very rarely let the opposition through on goal, and when they did, the game was all but over. And uh, where really, it was just... A, a, a nice watch. Very rarely do we get this in a World Cup match. If we're just to take away the Southgate reign, so take away the Panama match, take away the Sweden 2-0, obviously take away what happened in the Euros, Ukraine in the quarterfinals, for example. Has there been so routine a World Cup win for England in a World Cup match? I don't think there has been. Yes, there's been a couple of 2 nils here and there, an odd 1-0, maybe a 3-0 to Denmark, I suppose, to Poland, to Paraguay. But really, this is a derby match, which should have been, it should have been a bit of needle, it should have been a bit oh, tense here and there, Wales should have given it a go, but England did not let them have that go. And Gareth Southgate, his tactics deserve all of that praise for that not not being allowed to happen and 3-0 against wales yes 3-0 nil, nil against wales 19th in the world against 6-2 against iran 20th in the world it isn't as black and white as all that because wales 19th in the world is a huge local rivalry wales were going for a win england only needed a point it was it seemed all set from an england perspective to be just set to be scrappy scrappy one goal win maybe two goal win if we're absolutely lucky but this was of course the first half was had it had its niggles here and there and England although they had complete dominance over the game they were unable to find that little touch Rashford of course had that audacious overhead kick he had a one-on-one -on -one, which Wayne Hennessy to be fair to him saved uh, expertly so England it's not as though they didn't have the chances but come the second half 
they were just that much quicker, that much sharper, that much more intense. Say, for example, of course, Rashford scores the free kick goal to get the ball rolling. Well, then two minutes later, he's there winning the ball in the attacking third and then providing it for Kane, who provides it for Foden as well. Again, Foden showing his uh, dynamism again on the left this time, cutting in and uh, fires the ball home, open net. And by that point, 2-0, it is pretty much game over. Of course, we have Rashford scoring the third goal and uh, by the end of it, fairly simple. But obviously, with everything like that comes the next step. For now, it is England versus Senegal in the last 16. Do England go with Phil Foden, an inside forward on the right, or do they go with Bakayo Saka, more of a winger on the right? And the problem is with England, when you've got so much talent and you've got such a baying audience from the press, from the from the fans on social media, it is always that clamour that will, uh, that will uh, lead him to criticism, whichever way he should turn, unless, of course, the World Cup trophy is delivered back to British shores. Um, and that's all I'll say on that, because... I think you can run yourselves around in circles, talking about it, discussing it, jumping on whatever platform you want to do. But the fact is today it worked. And on the first match day, it worked. The second match day, not so much. But in the end, seven points from nine available. Most teams that you'd expect to be front runners are probably going to get that, 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 uh, that points tally. So... It, does it matter? No, because England, they got top spot in the group and they are then due to face Senegal with what we would expect a potential quarterfinal to be France, maybe Argentina if they are into uh, to drop into that half of the draw. But of course, we'll get onto that. Don't worry. The next game, I'll admit, I went back and rewatched whilst I was uh, Sipping a couple of the old Coronas, and it was Iran nil, USA won. Um, of course, USA exacting that revenge for 1998 in a match that mattered much more on the pitch than it did off it, especially compared to 98, where it was a dead rubber. Here, it was a winner-take-all affair, and it, it felt almost like going into the game that Iran... Well, they just needed a point. Their defensive nous maybe should see them through, but right from the off, of course, Iran with that low block. They will throw players forward when they get the chance to spring forward and counter-attack, but uh, it didn't really happen. USA exacted a control that was far beyond, far beyond any Iranian measures. So you got Pulisic cutting in. He was taking up, adop adopting sort of like left half space roles, central roles, which did help him. He headed over just on the 11th minute mark, headed into the goalkeeper's arms rather on the 11th minute mark. And of course he would score via that avenue. But it was a it was a venture that USA used again and again, and it worked. And for, for Iran, what they had in uh, response was... Very little, of course, it was a two-pronged counter-attack with Sadaraz Moon and Mediterrame on the counter-attack. They couldn't really link as well as they uh, could possibly have done. To be fair, with the Wales game, the goals that came from that in the so-called counter-attacking masterclass that they, that they uh, deployed against Wales, none of them came from Asmoon and Tereme linking. It came from a uh, second ball from a counter and then a, a, a second ball from a uh, set-piece, sorry, and then a counter which... 
really um, was scored by was scored by midfielders. So it it wasn't. I guess it wasn't too much of a shock that Asmoon and Teremi, who were, don't often get played against alongside one another, if one is to play, one will play on the wing, one will play centrally, and really it's it's just shoehorning two of the uh, the brighter talents of Iranian football into one position because both will will prefer central uh, attacking positions. But that is not what happens with Iranian football, especially at World Cup level. Didn't happen here, unfortunately. Uh, it showed that they uh, weren't really destined to link up with one another. The counter-attacking was, uh, was incredibly blunt. I was quite disappointed with, uh, with Iran's performance going forward on the counter. They had one header at the goalie. That was... Very much it. And uh, USA, they, well, they control it. They retain possession. They pressed high. They pressed throughout. Kept a very high line. Compacted the uh, the Iranians within their own half. But the, the, of, a, of a very young USA team, you'd expect them to be, have a little bit defensively lacking, a bit like what we'll see with Ecuador when we move on. Um, but no, USA were uh, were very good defensively and, and thoroughly deserved the 1-0 win of what I've uh, seen of it, of course. I did try and catch up with proceedings after the uh, after the victory for England over Wales, but you could imagine that uh, revelry preceded me on, uh, on that one. But the, something to look out for, obviously, since uh, Netherlands USA, which is all set to be an absolutely incredible, incredible last 16 encounter. They're a lot closer than what you may expect. Um, the USA will, uh, or rather the Netherlands, will have to uh, be fully in tune with Pulisic cutting in and adopting these central roles, almost as if he's uh, almost as if it's a four-four-two. To be fair, the Netherlands uh, may face a four-four-two, just as England faced in the second game. And of course, with that comes Anthony Robinson filling out, filling in for him out wide, so too across the other side, Serginio Dest, like making up for that lack of width width on the uh, on the right but Pulisic dangerous incredibly dangerous uh, essentially and of course Timothy Weyer with his uh, with his disallowed goal showed uh, well his danger as well on the counter on the transition as well just about offside which may or may not play into uh, American hands going into the going into the last 16 because Virgil van Dijk I've noticed tends to drop a little bit deeper than Ake than uh, than Timber and if the Netherlands are caught exactly like that. Timothy Weyer will not be easy to catch. I'll tell you that now. So, well, of course, the second half was a different story for USA, for Iran. It showed um, another another problem for uh, USA, the counter, but they dealt with it incredibly well. And, um, well, I, I, do, I think the, uh, the last 16 with the Netherlands, it could go right down to the wire. It could be a lot closer than what you imagine. And speaking of the Netherlands, let us get stuck straight into Group A after this short break. And by the magic of editing, I'll be a lot more sober when we go to Group A. Catch you in a minute. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. 
ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. And welcome back. Of course, there was another group to be playing some football over there on Tuesday, and it came from Group A, where we had two more teams qualified for the last 16. First in the Netherlands, as was to be expected, and then Senegal, who ousted Ecuador. Some people, including myself, Dark horses to do quite well, and of course Qatar already eliminated. And now the uh, the main event from this group was mainly Ecuador versus uh, Senegal, despite uh, ITV's insistence on putting the star power on ITV in terms of the Netherlands, as well as Ali McCoyst on commentary. Regardless, let's go to the Khalifa International Stadium, where there was two Ecuadorian changes back into a 4-3-3. Likewise, with uh, with Senegal, with Papi Gay was it was in as well, and they moved from a 4-4-2 into a 4-3-3. And really, for me, the one thing that uh, that qualified Senegal above Ecuador was that they were just more tactically diverse than their opponents. It almost felt setting up in the first what, first five, ten, fifteen, twenty minutes of the game that Ecuador were the team in third place pushing for that win. It was them who needed to win, not Senegal, and it was. Fairly, fairly bizarre, really. When of course they can't just play for the draw for ninety minutes. That's how you get picked off in this game, I suppose. Um, but there was tons, tons of spaces to uh, to attack for Senegal. There is a way of playing high intensity football and being defensively resolute. But I feel as though Ecuador could be neither one nor the other. They had to be, uh, they had to be defensively astute, but couldn't provide anything going forward and that's really what the once we got into the uh, the measure of the game once we got into the rhythm the first half was Ecuador settling for what they had it seems nil nil they'd started off brightly enough but then they settled in but the only problem was with that they were they were incredibly blunt up front there was no there's no outrageous skills or wide play from Gonzalo Plata. There's no real eye for goal for Enne Valencia. Pervis Estupinon wasn't really getting up front um, as he tends to do on the left from left back. And Ecuador, as a result, they couldn't really handle themselves defensively either. They were as exposed as they've ever been all World Cup. And they were as blunt going forward as they have been all World Cup. Now, it was they didn't really try to score a third and a fourth and a fifth against Qatar in the first game, but going forward, um, the first half of this game here against uh, Senegal reminded me 
of that really. And Galindez didn't have a save to make before today. Of course, the only shot on target against Ecuador was that uh, Cody Gakpo lethal finish. So it wasn't as if they could be front foot and defend um, against some good opposition. But uh, I think there was... Obviously, it was do or die for Senegal. There was a bit more hunger, I believe, than the, than the Netherlands. The Netherlands could could take the draw, not in full knowledge, really, that uh, that Qatar were next and uh, an easier three points was uh, was to be made. And they did slow things down, Ecuador, probably around half an hour in, but it came too late. They were well, they had to be far more intense in the second half after Ismail Assar won the penalty, then scored the penalty after some tidy play down the left by uh, by Senegal. And as a result, Senegal dropping deeper, as you would expect them to do. They've got a um, a lead to defend, just as Ecuador did at the start when it was nil-nil in, really, in retrospect with the points. And uh, they did it really, really well. And they, to be fair, they looked quite comfortable in open play throughout the, all of the game. They looked comfortable until, obviously, Moises Caicedo heads in from a corner and Barely the the game barely had time to sort of relax into what could have been an interesting state of affairs had it been one one going into the final twenty twenty five minutes with Senegal needing to attack and Ecuador having to sit back. I wonder what we were what we might have seen. Would Ecuador have learnt the lessons from the first half? Well, we didn't have time because a free kick came in and Kalidou Koulibaly pounced on the second ball, thrashed it home, and uh, Captain Fantastic, as he is standing in for Sadio Mane, got the goal to send Senegal through to the uh, to the, to the last 16, emulating the great team of 20 years prior that contained the manager, Ali Cissé, as well. And then, of course, once the game came, they knew they had to drop into that, that, five, that 4-5-1 low block, and... Going the other way, they were a lot more varied in attack as well. And that was very crucial. They weren't as predictable as uh, Ecuador felt, particularly in the last 10 minutes. Would you know, you're just going to have to lump balls into the box. And with Senegal's defence, they were always going to bat those chances away that Ecuador had. Senegal, at first, it looked to counter and did so via the channels, via wide play. That's essentially how the goal, the first goal, the penalty comes about. And there was a series of chances in the first 10 minutes. Idrissa Ghana game, Boulay Dia. In the first, yeah, first knockings of the game, could have had Senegal a couple of uh, goals to the good. Ismail Assar before his penalty curled one narrowly wide. And in the first half, they dominated. And second half, obviously, as we as we mentioned, fairly easy for them. Yes, they conceded the goal, but as soon as they conceded, they got straight back on the front foot via a set piece. And, uh, and scored it. They linked quite well in the channels. It just again, again, played a very good hybrid role, I felt. Um, when they needed a goal, he was playing in a 10. And of course, when they uh, needed to retreat like the wingers, they moved from what was pretty much a 4-2-3-1 and into that 4-5-1. Ismail Asai was dangerous all game. Boulay Dia would peel off to the right and he was dangerous too. And um, I don't know the results from Group B yet, but they'll be very dangerous to whoever has won. Group B, they'll be resolute defensively, and they've of course got the uh, the two strikers going forward. Uh, well, to be fair, NDA as well was uh, has been quite good. Um, they've got two sides of the of the pitch really, and the midfield are all quite dangerous. And really, it's probably the experience here that's shone through. They're a bit more tactically diverse. Ecuador have got a young young squad and did very well to uh, trouble as they did this uh, quite uh, difficult group. And um, yeah, going forward, Ecuador can be proud despite elimination. Senegal, of course, this is all bonus now. They will, depending on opponent, you'll know more than me at this current time at around quarter past five on uh, Tuesday evening. 
whether or not uh, they are favourites to go into the quarterfinals, which would be a complete emulation. Then who knows where? We know that Senegal are probably Africa's strongest team. They've probably got the best chance. Uh, Morocco, I would say, have got a decent enough chance, depending on who they draw in Group E, of course. But a fantastic display by Senegal and lovely to have some African teams back in the knockout phase. They were robbed in 2018, if you ask me, with the disciplinary tiebreakers. And that's the first time in a 32-team World Cup that we hadn't had any African representation. And so first group back in the uh, subsequent tournament, straight away, Senegal are leading Africa into the last 16. And I don't think it will be the last. Certainly with Morocco, they look almost inevitably in. And I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, count out uh, Ghana just yet, although Tunisia and Cameroon may be the end of the road for them, given Tunisia's opposition and, well, and given Cameroon's opposition as well, and as well as uh, Switzerland and Serbia playing one another could... Um, usurp them for second place certainly and in group is other match netherlands took apart qatar with strolling ease uh it was finally a start for memphis depay he was in for steven bergvine and uh martin de Roon was in for a team coop miners meanwhile qatar made just the one change with hatem coming into a into a midfield and qatar really just as they have been the entire tournament in incredibly negative too negative for this world cup they sat ridiculously deep looked for the long ball they did have a couple of half chances but when they didn't come off it looked as though any type of confidence for any remotely dangerous attack just evaporated from them and the, the, the netherlands were able to bypass this low block easy and, and if they really 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 wanted to they could have thrashed them by five six goals here they had a quite a good few chances in the first half. Davy Klaassen had a chance in the first five minutes. And you got the sense really from Qatar that they'd be absolutely delighted to not get battered essentially. And you didn't, but it was all at the Netherlands' mercy really. And they never really opened up. It made for quite a dull game. This was easily an easy choice for the double screening. This was on the laptop. The Senegal game was on the telly. Easy choice to make. And there are quite a lot of easy choices to make in terms of that respect going forward because of such an array of do or die matches, Senegal versus Ghana, Serbia, Switzerland, Belgium, Croatia as well. We've got it all to look forward to in the coming three or four days. Haven't we really? Uh, they, they were stupidly ponderous as well for the second goal, which allowed Frankie de Jong in for the rebound. There was a goalkeeper who didn't really do much, although you can't really level it at him. He just made a good save off Memphis Depay. And then two defenders just wait for the ball to drop when they should have just been rushing to it, clear it for a throw in, get out. But Frankie de Jong somehow got there. It was... Uh, comical almost the Netherlands didn't really improve a scratchy game with their presence really it, it was about control and get that first goal and then see what happens then because it was fairly they were in control for the entirety of the game apart from those few half chances I mentioned at the start and um, really I mean yeah they, they exacted that control very quickly Qatar were defensively desperate even quicker than that uh, Memphis was always trying to get into the left half space, as you'd expect. He was the focus of the defence, it seemed, sole focus at times. And uh, it left Cody Gakpo, the more dangerous of the two players throughout the tournament, throughout this game even. And uh, he slotted in his third goal of the tournament, joining Enna Valencia and killing Mbappe as the uh, golden boot leaders. Now, obviously, that uh, won't be the case for Enna Valencia going forward unless there's some serious spreading of the goals out since 
his uh, his team has been eliminated tonight. There's utterly no use in trying to gauge the Dutch from this game. Perhaps we may see a different Netherlands altogether. Perhaps they are the slow burner. We did mention maybe a week or two ago that in 2014, when Louis van Gaal last coached the Dutch, they were starting off incredibly bright, incredibly bright, perhaps too bright, and then they toiled against Australia. They did enough on the counter against Chile. Incredibly fortunate to beat Mexico and Costa Rica, and unfortunately penalties did for them in the following game in the semi-finals. They'll be hoping for a, um, a, a much more crescendo World Cup, and it would be a fantastic way to uh, ride off into the sunset for Louis van Gaal, wouldn't it? Um, I personally can't see that coming to fruition. When you look at their half of the draw, you're probably looking at the likes of Netherlands. Well, Netherlands, they are Netherlands. You're looking at Argentina. You are looking at uh, Spain and Brazil. And if England have faltered later on, I'm just off to the pub to watch it. Maybe England as well. Who knows? And uh, I think that may be a bridge too far for the Dutch, although you never know. You never know. But um, could be a case of 2010, especially more so than uh, the 1970s. Regardless, the Dutch are through. They've done what they what they needed to. Efficient in a way without really dazzling. Of course, Cody Gakpo being the... Uh, the exception to that, because he has just been absolutely fantastic and uh, they march on into the last 16 after what has been, well, the last knockout stage game that Nevins played. Louis van Gaal was in charge, of course. And that was two groups down, six to go. We are going to preview the next two and uh, some very crucial games from groups C and D after this short break. <laughs> Welcome back. Group C sees Poland meet Argentina in a battle between first and second. Saudi Arabia versus Mexico as well. In the state of playing Group C, Poland top somehow with four points. Argentina th second with three, Saudi Arabia with three, and Mexico with one point. So in black and white terms, Poland versus Argentina is for first. Saudi Arabia versus Mexico is for a chance to uh, potentially qualify. So many permutations, I'm not going to go through the lot of them, but black and white as it is, Argentina with Lionel Messi in the fulcrum role in the number 10 role, as he has been for the past 15 years. Argentina will be expected to win. You'd expect Poland to be a bit more resolute defensively than Mexico. Um, Argentina have by no way, shape or form, been good this tournament. They've had few flashes of brilliance, of course. That's always going to be the case when you've got players like Lionel Messi who opened up the Mexico game. If he wouldn't have done that, I wouldn't give him anywhere near a, uh, a good chance here. But with a team like Poland, who I've been not impressed with remotely either, <laughs> mainly for their negative tactics, they'll be incredibly negative again. Having shut out Mexico, which I don't think is... Too much of a mean feat. Mexico don't look like scoring all tournament. We'll see what they can do against Saudi Arabia. And to be fair, Poland are incredibly lucky against Saudi Arabia, which has uh, been belied by the scoreline 2-0 there. Is a, it was a, um, a bit of an error for the second goal as well. And a missed penalty for Saudi Arabia did warp things, kind of. And Saudi Arabia really should be qualified off the back of the Argentina win. Should have really got a point against uh, Poland, if not a win. And um, Mexico did make did make Argentina sweat. So there is uh, 
the only thing that the question marks are around Mexico going into the Saudi Arabia game is going forward. The final third, can they find a goal? They've certainly got exciting players, Alexis Vega. You've got um, you've got Hervin Lozano as well. You've got the likes of Raul Jimenez probably coming off the, off the bench as he uh, as he did in the previous game. A decent enough midfield to uh, be physical with the Saudi Arabians. And you'd expect, well, they need a couple, they need a, a big win over Saudi Arabia um, to even think about going through the 2-0. The, the goal from Enzo Fernandez is a bit of a sucker punch, really. The second goal for Argentina in that game earlier on in last week because it makes it just that little bit more difficult. Now, Saudi Arabia can't play for a point because Poland have got a better goal difference than they have. They may hope that Argentina can thrash Poland, but let's be fair, Argentina haven't looked like thrashing anybody this tournament. So I have a feeling that the Saudis can shock, suck, to come Poland. This group is wide it's wide open. It's one of the probably one of the more unpredictable groups. Argentina, they can be good, they can be efficient going forward, but they can also be... Sloppy and turgid, same goes with Mexico too and Saudi Arabia with that backing that they've got. Fantastic to see. Um, could spring another surprise against Mexico. And if they do, if they win, all Saudi Arabia needs to do is win. And if they win, they're through. Um, because obviously Poland on four points, Argentina on three points, neither of them. Both of them can't win. So it's wide open, open like a book. Um, still, there's uh, the chance for the two favourites, Argentina and Mexico, to go through. But it needs a lot. Uh, to happen there. A big Argentina win, a big Mexico win for that to happen, which, of course, could do as well. Uh, Group D is our final group that we will be previewing. It's Australia versus Denmark, which is the big one, and uh, Tunisia versus France. So the state of play here. France are one of the three teams who have progressed to the last 16 with a game to spare. They've got six points, and because of their six better goal difference, six superior goal difference from Australia. They are essentially top of the group. Meanwhile, Denmark are on one, so two. Tunisia. Uh, Australia versus Denmark, one of the clearer shootouts for second place alongside Serbia and Switzerland, Uruguay and Ghana. Similar makeups in those groups, especially with Tunisia playing France. You'd expect France to make a lot of changes, but still have enough to at least get a draw against the uh, North African side. Barring that goal differential miracle, France will be top. A uh, good chance for them to get minutes into fringe players. Meanwhile, Australia versus Denmark. Australia will have to show what they did in the first 20, 25, 30 minutes against France defensively to uh, get through this one. Ultimately, Denmark, a bit like Mexico, really, don't look too great going forward. They got their goal from a set piece against France, so maybe that could be an avenue. Likewise, Australia have Harry Suter, who I've been incredibly impressed with, and it would mark 16 years since the uh, the last knockout stage game that Australia played in the World Cup. Would be fairly fitting, like we've seen Senegal achieve here today. So, it, again, another one wide open. Obviously, the key one is Australia versus Denmark. What can happen there? Denmark will have to find an attacking edge. They've got the best players. Will that mean anything? Now, I don't know the uh, Iran versus USA score yet but it's along similar lines to that really the team who are probably better defensively hold all the cards so that's how we have it and uh, probably a bit uh, profligate going forward as well Australia but we'll see we will see and uh, that is for tomorrow's episode thank you very much for listening and watching if you do so on YouTube as well and until next time Sidi the three lions
Social Podcast Network.